in the world of freedom. Mr. Gorbachev, open this gate. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Ich bin ein Berliner. This is Radio Goethe Magazine with Arndt Peltner. News and information from the heart of Europe. Hello and welcome to Radio Goethe Magazine. I'm Arndt Spelton. In today's program I have two interviews for you. First, the influence of the German artist Wilhelm Busch on American cartoonists. And second, I talk to a photographer who captured all the German World Heritage sites in the right light. So stay tuned. But first, the news. Radio Goethe Magazine. The News with Nina Paula. Hannover. Leaking nuclear waste in a storage facility in Lower Saxony has raised the temperature of the conversation over nuclear power in Germany. The storage facility, called Asset 2, has been a salt rock and potash mine and was closed in 1964. And it was converted to an experimental nuclear facility in 1967. Now it officially holds up to 130,000 metal drums of low and mid-level radioactive waste. A new report says that highly radioactive plutonium had also been dumped in the mine along with a number of nuclear fuel rods. Environment Minister Sigmar Gabriel called the mine the most problematic nuclear facility in Europe. Köln. German car makers are still reserved in fabricating cars which run on hydrogen fuel cells, although they emit only water vapor into the atmosphere. And in contrast to oil, hydrogen is not a fossil fuel with only limited reserves. In fact, it is the most common element on the planet. Research has been going on for decades and numerous breakthroughs have been announced. So far though, only a handful of prototypes and some limited series production vehicles have appeared. But the car industry is optimistic. Volkswagen, for example, expects fuel cell power to come on stream after 2020. Berlin. A new museum devoted to dealing with German refugees after World War II is calling a stir. The controversial museum has Poland and the Czech Republic concerned. Some in Germany want to rewrite history. The work for the museum may begin within weeks to set up the permanent exhibition in a government office block in the capital's Anhalterbahnhof area. Millions of ethnic Germans were expelled from Eastern Europe as borders were revised after Nazi Germany's defeat. Descendants of the refugees campaigned for the museum, claiming that their sufferings had been blanked out of Europe's collective memory. Hamburg. A new concert hall will become a new landmark of Hamburg. Of course, it will also be a location for fantastic musical moments. But the imposing structure of the 110 meters high concert hall is said to be visible to approaching ships from way down river. The new Elbe Philharmonic Hall has a dramatic design and includes a grand hall and a hotel. It's expected to be completed in two years. The designers are Swiss architects whose portfolio includes the Tate Modern in London, the Allianz Arena in Munich and the De Young Museum in San Francisco. München. Time to say goodbye for Oliver Kahn, one of the biggest stars of German football. After a career spanning 20 years, the legendary goalkeeper played for the last time for Bayern München in a farewell match. Kahn retired from international football in 2006 after being demoted to reserve goalkeeper by the then German national coach Jürgen Klinsmann during the World Cup. He continued on as Bayern Munich goalie until the end of last season. 
Es machen sich die Fliegen ein luftig Tanzvergnügen. Der Frosch, der denkt nur munter, ihr kommt schon noch herunter. Up high the flies are playing and frolicking and swaying. The frog thinks dance, I know, you'll end up here below. That's Willem Busch and impending doom. Willem Busch was a painter, an early cartoonist and most beloved of all German poets. He was born April 15, 1832 in the village of Wiedensaal near Hanover in Lower Saxony, Germany. His greatest ambition was to emulate the Dutch and Flemish masters Rubens, Hals, Brower or Stade, but instead he stumbled into immortality, as the first German federal president Theodor Heuss once put it. Wilhelm Busch is known in Germany like no other, but he also made quite an impression on the international stage and can be considered to be highly influential on American cartoonists. About this I talked to Hans-Joachim Neyer, the director of the Wilhelm Busch Museum in Hanover, Germany, who describes Busch's important role on the early American cartoon Katzenjammerkitz. In Germany he is still one of the most popular um, authors of satirical uh, art, of cartoon art, for different stories which uh, might be known under different names in America, but there is Phipps the Ape, or the satire of the Burgess couple, and so on, or the pious Helena, I do not know which is the right English title. All these stories had been translated in English and published in England and America because the German immigrants in the 19th century loved Wilhelm Busch very much. Mr. Nayer, what was so special about Wilhelm Busch? Why was he in some ways a pioneer in this cartoon art? Well, he has a very modern art of um, drawing cartoons. First of all, by his style, which is very cinematographic. And on the other hand, because of his black humor. In uh, English um, works on Wilhelm Busch, and these, uh, this particular uh, German kind of humor is each time... Uh, written in German. So the authors say the Germans love very much the Schadenfreude. That means the Germans in America struggling and fighting for uh, welfare and for richness. Once rich, of course, love this Schadenfreude because they saw in the stories other people suffering, whereas themselves were happy. And the other word is the German Gemütlichkeit. So in the English text it is said the Germans love the Gemütlichkeit being destroyed. For example, in the teacher Lempel in Max und Moritz, where he is exposed when he starts smoking his pipe. You're saying the German immigrants brought his stories over to America. But what about publishers? Weren't they interested in his art? Yeah, of course. Randolph Hearst and Pulitzer discovered uh, this um, very important minority of uh, German um, uh, immigrants, and they proposed it. It was not that the German immigrants brought these stories to America. They were, well, of course, uh, Randolph Hearst, it is said that once in the 1870s, he once uh, r uh, read the Engl an English translation of Max und Moritz in England, and then when he was looking for a new form of uh, cartoon art, um, struggling against Pulitzer, I'm talking of the years uh, 1895, 6, 7. 
in uh, in New York in Chicago. Then uh, he is said to be uh, to be asked, uh, to be um, uh, to uh, to have asked for something. I want something like Max Moritz. He said because he he well he felt this this figure of of Max Moritz. It's a very modern figure. Uh, like well, it, it is the future cartoon art figure, and he found in his in his um, uh, in his uh, pub, uh, publisher's house he found a young German immigrant Rudolf Dirks, uh, who was still born in, in Germany, and and he was able to draw um, the Katzenheimer kids after the original of Max Moritz. The original means that he had read the German version, and maybe he had brought this book uh, to America. So he uh, started the Katzenjammer Kids in 1897 um, in competition with the Yellow Kid of Pulitzer. When Bush's stories were published over here, were they published in German, targeted for the German immigrants, or was this also done for an American audience? Yeah, this is a very interesting um, uh, Question: When we celebrated the uh, 175th anniversary of Wilhelm Busch last year, we were able to publish for the first time about 20 copies of different comic supplements from the house of um, Randolph Hearst. And all these comics, not only drawn by Rudolf Dirks after Wilhelm Busch, but by others too, um, were in English. And this year, where we celebrate the 100th um, death year of Wilhelm Busch, we, some, some, uh, somebody offered us uh, copies in German. German uh, Katzenjammer Kids published by Rudolf Dirks, uh, by, uh, excuse me, by Randolph Hearst in Chicago and um, in New York as comic supplement. So this is something uh, completely new and must be uh, research. research re well, you, you have to, be do, to, to do research on it. I have read somewhere that Walt Disney was influenced early on by Willem Bush's work. Is that true? Yeah, yeah, that, that, is, uh, that is sure. And the examples had been uh, proposed uh, 10 years ago by an American um, um, author working in the archives of Walt Disney. He uh, shows that some um, stylistic um, things in, um, uh, in stories from Wilhelm Bosch, for example, Der Virtuos, this is this uh, fabulous uh, piano player, um, are directly, um, you can dir see them in uh, the first films of of Walt Disney, which is uh, Steamboat Willie and Plain Crazy. In Plain Crazy, you have direct influence between their virtuos and some funny figure, which is a dog, um, uh, which is a kind of engine in in the plane. Uh, so this is the stylistic reason, and the the other reason is this black humor. When you look into Steamboat Willie, for example, you have all the time this schadenfreude when people are laughing at the others which are suffering from them. Why do you think Bush is not that well known over here anymore? Well, in Germany he is known, his name is known, but I think only um, the some 
important stories are still um, uh, really read by the people. Now, the, the simple reason is um, he was not is not um, filmed. Uh, what uh, if you want to be close to people, you have to animate all these um, these stories. He is at his time. It was a very modern kind of publishing. It was a kind of cartoon art, which was not cheap. Children could uh, even children. Uh, could um, afford and buy it in the uh, kiosk in the um, in the uh, main stations, um, but what we have and we are trying to do something um, is would you have to animate these um, these drawings to be close to the younger peoples, and we we have some examples, and then the the younger peoples, the visitors in our museum. Were very very astonished to see this modern humor. It's a kind of humor like like Jackass in, on MTV. It's black humor in his in his best sense of, of of humor, and at the same time in a cinema cinematographic presentation. But the originals are still standing still, and young people do not bear. They cannot suffer standing a longer time in front of a picture and just looking to the picture as the people did in the 19th century when there was no um, cinema, no uh, TV, no uh, other electronic uh, stuff. If you compare William Bush's work to today's cartoons, how would you judge his art? I think he's, he is still uh, on top of the cartoon art and uh, German cartoon art and, uh, artists like Wächter and others are still uh, taking uh, him as a uh, as an example and uh, if you compare it with some um, some of the old um, copies of Rudolf Dirks uh, the humor of uh, Wilhelm Busch is so authentic so so crude so so pure so black uh, so böse as we say um, that it is uh, very very modern in his in a sense, and if you um, if you reach to animate uh, some of his famous stories, uh, he could be still in, in uh, on the top of the of uh, of the pops, if you want, in the in the uh, in the in the cinema or on TV. He has to be uh, he has to be translated.
The World Heritage Sites can be found around the globe. It's a way to preserve the rich culture of humankind for future generations. In Germany, Hans-Joachim Ober had the idea and finally took on the project to photograph the German sites for the UNESCO. The result are amazing pictures that were recently published and you can find them at unesco.de. Yeah, the idea of taking pictures of UNESCO World Heritage Sites in big uh, size panorama format came when I worked on assignment for a German publisher to write 10 articles about the World Heritage Places in Asia, where I travel quite a lot. Did you have to prepare yourself in some ways, like learning about the history, to capture the site in the right light? Of course, before taking pictures or photos, uh, there's a lot of preparation necessary. I have to study the history of the places and uh, the plans to find out the best spot for pictures and for the, for the light I need. And I had sometimes cases to get permission to take pictures with my heavy equipment, which, in example, uh, which for example, needs a tripod. So I can't simply walk in with a small camera and take pictures. But did you have to learn something about the history as well? I mean, an old building, a site speaks to you in a different language. Yeah, of course. I, I have to study that intensively to get a, a shot which represents the building or the place, not just just a picture. I, I, want to get the atmosphere of the building, that the, that the building is uh, represented in the, in the picture in the right way. And so uh, it's, yeah, it's quite a lot of work before I have to, I have many books about the heritage sites. I look at the plans, I look at the pictures and the history, and then I, I try to find out uh, where to take the pictures. Sometimes I have to take it inside, like in Marlborough in the monastery, or outside, it depends very much. Sometimes I have to go a couple of times to find out where the best place actually is. How did the UNESCO respond when you came up with this idea? I started taking pictures when the idea came uh, uh, to me when I was writing the 10 articles. I traveled a lot and I took my big camera with me and I, I've taken pictures in many countries around the world and I presented these pictures first to Geo, the famous German magazine, and they made a big calendar in 206, a two-feet-long calendar, and I presented this calendar later to, to UNESCO in Bonn here, and they gave me an assignment right away to, to document all the 32 uh, sites in panorama format. Mr. Obea, can you describe these sites a bit for our listeners? What are the World Heritage Sites in Germany? Uh, at the moment, there are 33 sites. The last one was just added. It's a housing estate in Berlin. And the German heritage site spans an enormous period of time. In the pit of Messel, south of Frankfurt, dozens of different uh, fossils were found, more than 40 million years old. That means they existed long before mankind. And the earliest historical site under UN protection in Germany uh, is from Roman times. It's a limus, the former fortified boundary between Germania and the Roman Empire. But there are only a reconstruction of the palisades and watchtowers on some places left. In Trier, however, also a Roman place, stands an impressive Roman city gate, the Porta Nigra, nearly untouched by the centuries. And, of course, churches are a central part of the German heritage sites. There are the very old ones with impressive medieval wall paintings on the island of Reichenau in the lake of Constance. Constance yeah. And, of course, there are the big cathedrals like Cologne, Speyer, and Hildesheim. And other heritage sites are connected with Martin Luther, like Wittenberg, Eislem, and the Wartburg Castle. And then there are 
Of course, the well-preserved, beautiful city centers like Bamberg and Lübeck or Wismar, Stralsund and Goslar. In Germany, there is not only Heidelberg and Rothenburg, which are the prime destinations for the foreign tourists. And by the way, the both are not heritage sites so far. How much time did you have to spend to finally say, okay, I got it all and I got it all in the perfect way? For the German side, yeah, it took me nearly one year to, to travel around, to take pictures. Sometimes it's very easy. I came, the light was perfect, and I got the shot. But sometimes I had to go several times due to bad weather or, or there was uh, the building were under construction and things like that. So it was quite a, quite a lot of traveling in Germany. But Germany is not so big, and so it was not too bad. And I liked it very much, of course. Yeah, I use a very old, uh, no, not old, it's not old, it's an old-fashioned camera. It's uh, a Linoff, a German-made camera in panorama format. It's 6 by 17 centimeter is the negative size. And one roll of film uh, delivers only four pictures. And I developed the film myself here in my, my house. And then I put them on a, uh, digitalize them and uh, print them myself also. Digital in this size, uh, for, for big size uh, um, pictures like two feet long, it's not possible yet to, to use digital cameras. They're, it's, they're still, you can go, let's say, to 80 centimeters long pictures you can make digital, but panorama one, panoramic pictures is not possible to make uh, so far with digital cameras. Did you change your perspective somehow afterwards about Germany? What I mean is, did this work touch you in a personal way or was it just a job like any other? Oh yes, so the work uh, on the project here, uh, I came to know uh, the diversity of, the German, of Germany much better than ever before because I traveled so much also in the eastern parts of Germany, which I never uh, visited so before. And now I travel in, let's say, more than 100 countries so far. But I think there is no other place I would like to live than uh, in Germany because it's, it's so, so different. Uh, the diversity is so big. You can see the mountains in the, in the south and the, the North Sea and the eastern, uh, eastern uh, Baltic Sea and, and the forests, uh, so many different forests and the rivers like the Rhine River. So it's so beautiful on, on a very small place compared to other uh, countries or continents. Is it possible for our listeners to see your picture somewhere on the internet? Oh yes, you can go to uh, unesco.de www.unesco.de There are lots of pictures from the exhibitions and others also. That was today's Radio Goethe magazine. Thanks for listening and please find us online at radiogoethe.org. I'm Arndt Speltner.